Welcome to Message Received. In this Coffee Break episode, Tim and Natalie meet with Cecile Bastian-Remy, where they discuss Cecile's perspective on resilience. They also explore applied, authentic communication and coaching. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Message Received. I'm Tim. I'm one of your co-hosts, along here with Natalie Eifert and our very special guest. Natalie, can you introduce our guest? Sure. Today, we are lucky to have Cécile Bastien-Rémy with us, who I discovered through a TED Talk two years ago. For anyone who has not watched the TED Talk, you must go, maybe put, go on pause and watch the talk and then come back and keep listening. It's a phenomenal story. Cécile, do you want to say a couple of words about you and tell us about your journey so far and uh, what brings us here? Thank you, first of all, for having me. It's always a pleasure to meet new people and talk about what I love the most, which is resilience. But we'll come back to that later on. So today, I can confidently say that communication is my business. I'm a corporate communication training. I provide speech coaching, presentation skills, of course. I write speech for people as well. Uh, I happen to be a teacher as well on applied communication in the Swiss business school in Kloten, very close to Zurich. I'm helping bachelor degrees getting ready into the communication game because I don't think it's enough. I'm actually currently writing a book as well right now on authentic communication. And if I don't teach, coach, train, of right, I'm also a keynote speaker. And that links back to a more personal aspect of my life. I've been invited on the beautiful TEDx stage of Politecnico di Torino to talk about resilience. And that's something I'm not specializing in resilience. I have a very personal approach to it. And it's through my own personal introspection that I created a format and articulated a format that I thought could be helpful for the audience that is kindly listening to um, my speeches. Resilience is a big word out in the marketplace right now on social media for good reason, especially in the pandemic. We're all feeling like we need more of it, but I'm not sure we agree on what it means or, or we even know what it means. So how do you define resilience? I like to invite you to close your eyes and imagine that you are in deep water. You're in the middle of the ocean, you're absolutely exhausted, and you start coming all the way down. So all the way down is, is you know, the descent is really painful. You have the mass of water crushing your skull and, and your lungs. It's really uncomfortable. And that's exactly what happens when you face a challenge. It's horrible. It's painful. It creates anxiety. There are so many negative emotions, but eventually your feet touches the sand all the way at the bottom. And that gives you the impulse to push all the way back up and kick relentlessly to go back to the light, go back to the oxygen. That's basically bouncing back. You are recovering from a difficulty. But the thing is, I don't think this definition of bouncing back is enough because if you stay in the same place, Eventually, you will go back and come back down, and this time you will drown and you will be dead. And of course, the death could be metaphoric or real. 
So I like to envisage a different preposition <laughs> with bouncing, with, with the idea of bouncing. And I think resilience is bouncing forward because you never come back the same person after you experience something difficult in your life. And it could be anything. So, so what I like about what you say is that resilience is really something personal. So I think we can get a lot of advice, a guidance on how to be more resilient, but it's only when you find the tools, you know, to add to your belt, to go through a challenge. It's looking for those tools, trying them, and then being able to take them when you need them the most. I love, I love this personal aspect of it. Just in short, what's my personal story that made me dive into resilience? At 21 years old, I had a car crash. And I lost a lot of physical abilities. I lost somebody dear. And I remember, you know, the, um, the doctors telling me what I had left. You know, I lost the sight with one eye. I lost an ear. So my senses were deficient. And what was really interesting was I had no idea about the process of resilience. When I found myself back in time, you know, I just didn't know if I was to if I was ever going to recover. And rightly what you said, Natalie, I have no idea how I would recover. And it's after over 25 years and, and diving into the process of writing my speech that I started to unravel all the stages that I went through. And I guess I should probably share that with the I was about to ask you, what are those changes? What, what, can we, what, what can you share with our listeners today with, uh, with regard to those stages? So the first one is really to accept and surrender whatever is happening. There is very little I can do. What is in my control? And then I can act. And what is it that is completely outside my control? And I've got to let it go. It's not an easy thing to do. Then you need to make a true inventory, an objective inventory of all the resources we have available. So instead of drowning yourself as a victim of your own sorrow and pain, have a fair look at what you have. So once we've done the first step of uh, bouncing forward with the surrendering and inventory, now we need to imagine ourselves when we will be better. And it starts with having a vision of our own self-recovery. So once you have a vision of who you want to become, that's going to be much easier for you to take action towards it, tangible action. The beauty of that part is that by micro step, by micro action after micro action, you will discover how strong you are. You're going to find how resourceful you are as well. And also, you will discover that surrounding yourself with the right tribe is very important. And then that's the last part we need to talk about, which is once once we know that we have bounced forward. And that's a big, big step. And for me, when I decided to really put that story into like create a special space, a special room in my mind or in my emotions and sorted out everything that was in that room and closed the door. And I can revisit, but I know what I will find. I will not discover new emotions. I look at it as, oh, yeah, OK, it happens. But this does not define me any longer. 
And for me to be able to reach that really comfortable state, I needed to be able to articulate my story. And yes, the TEDx was part of closing the door. It was completely part of the process. You opened today talking about the analogy of drowning and that when your feet hit the sand, your instinct says push. Do you believe it's instinctual that every human has this and that you were following intuition or was it intellectual? Did you make a conscious decision and know the path that you were following to bounce forward? What comes to my mind is once I had the accident, I had 28 hours of surgery after the accident. I'm not going to go into the details, but I was broken. The instinct of life was very strong when I was on and off before the ambulance came. So that was a good six hours on my own. So there is the instinct. And this is very much part of the education you have, you receive. And I have to thank my parents for that. I remember I'm the youngest of the family of three. And we were vacationing in the Pyrenees all the time. And I remember having to get up at five o'clock in the morning with a lamp torch to start walking. And we would walk the entire day. I was the youngest. It was just really difficult for me physically. I didn't have an option. My dad wanted to climb that mountains. Cecile, you're fine. You can, if you don't want to walk, fine. Just stay alone in the mountain with the wolves, the bears, the vipers. That's basically what he was telling me. So I was so scared. I was just like, dad, wait for me. But the sense of achievement once you reach the top of that mountain is amazing. So I always knew that, you know, you might go through a little pain, through discomfort, but the reward at the end is not something that no one can take away. So to come back to your question, the physical and the and the physical instinct happened, and it's true, just happened like just like that. But the intellectual or emotional, the um, the unconscious one, I think was there was the seed that my education gave me that you know it's hard, but you can do it. What are the, some of the tangible tips or techniques that you could recommend for someone to, whatever of the three steps they're in, to get themselves moving forward? And I would also add, what would be your advice for people who want to practice this and put this into place? That What should they expect in terms of uh, duration of process? So the duration is, I'm going to answer that with, everybody is going to hate the answer, but I own it. It depends. It depends on the trauma that, or, or the challenge you have to recover. Intellectually, you can understand things very quickly. The emotions, they have a life on their own. And they make the decision of how fast or quick they want to go. So first of all, allow time. Give yourself the time to heal. Allow time that, okay, your intellect will be teased by a three-step process, but your emotion will take the time they need. And then for every single step, it's, it's really, I think this is very powerful also to have gratitude on a regular basis where, you know, it, it's interesting because sometimes when you have your self-recovery, it's very selfish act. Take care of yourself first. But then eventually you will also need to find your place in the world. 
So the vision of you becoming who you want it to be needs to find now its place in the world. So the vision becomes like, like a purpose. What is my vision? What do I need to adjust? You leave the self-centered recovery and you move it to a more altruistic energy. Because finding your place in the world is asking yourself the question, how can I contribute? And you can look at so many studies that were done. If you can give, that brings joy. It sounds like the experience of bouncing forward through maturity and through your these steps from the shocking accident gave you almost like a template or a prototype for doing so again when other things happen. It's almost like you're going to have to repeat those same steps multiple times through your life because there's going to be multiple setbacks that all of us will face. Is that right? I think life is all about contrast. Happiness exists because you've experienced sorrow and sadness. And so that's something you have to accept. The contrast of life is the essence of what we are living. So when there is an up, just make sure that there will be a down. And when there is a down, guess what? It's going up again. What I like to describe as well is after my bounce forward, I needed to bounce further. So the book I'm writing is not just about resilience. It's not just about bouncing forward. It's about bouncing further and owning who you are. And then, of course, you know, you have to be able to adapt, to be agile. That's probably a typical corporate buzzword we hear a lot. But agility is just simply being able to adapt to the situation. And again, you do with what you have. And that brings back the loop. And all those pieces of the puzzle suddenly, tac, 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 they just imbrick themselves. And that makes the whole you the beautiful, unique you, and you can show up into life in whatever consequences, being as authentic as possible. You work in the corporate area on this topic. You help coach around resiliency. Can you share some thoughts on people who are listening? Maybe they're the owner of a small company or they work in a big corporate and they have a team. Maybe they're the CEO of a big company and they want to bring resiliency into their organization. Any guidance on how to do that? There is one book that I read, which I think summarizes the first step of being able to have a resilience business. And it's a book that was written by Simon Sinek, and it's called The Infinite Game. And it's all about vision. And if your vision is just numbers and statistics, like we want to penetrate 3% of the market, blah, 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 this is not going to make your business resilient. Because look at COVID. The only business that managed to pull through were the one that managed to pivot. It's about serving your audience, serving your clients. And that's how you bring resiliency and bring the bounce further, you know, concept for companies. I want to come back on a comment you made earlier. You said resilience is not taught at school. You also mentioned in the intro that you are a teacher. So are you teaching resilience to students? I'm basically teaching them applied communication, which is very much in link with how they must take responsibility of their own words. Because communication, once it's out, you can't replicate it. You can't take it back. 
It's interpersonal communication skills. But I have to say, when I was rehearsing for my TEDx talk, they were my first audience. And they gave me some really interesting feedback just to adjust. But this tie into to coaching and to preparing for presentations. So when you're coaching people from a purely communication skills point of view, how does your resiliency experience come through in your coaching? If you want competency as a speaker, you need to own your confidence. And the confidence comes in three tiers. You need to have resilience, meaning that what is it that hurt you before that you take with you on stage that makes you freak out. You need to be resilient on what happened in the past. Face it and make amend to it. Then you need to have, that's the second step, you need to have the right mindset. And the right mindset will be that the audience is with you. The audience is not there to judge you. The third step is what can your body and your mind do to make you ready? So you need to be resilient to make amends about, to leave behind the imposter syndrome, uh, that little voice that tells you you will never be good enough. Know what is a good presentation because it's really easy, but no one is teaching that at school. If you cared about your audience needs, if you deliver with joy and with clarity and it makes sense for your vision, bam, that's it, you know, sparkles on stage. You know, I think it's this interesting combination of preparation, technique, but still being your genuine self in the moment. And and this is paradoxical almost and requires a lot of exploration in the rehearsal studio to find this uh, combination. When you craft something, you may put words, you know, notes on a piece of paper, on the slides. But when you say them, and especially when it's a second or third or fourth language, sometimes that people are delivering, there are words that are tricky. If you don't rehearse it, if you don't hear yourself saying it, there is one part missing. And I love as well working with videos because videos, they never lie. Everyone will say, no, I don't think I'll do it. I hate it. And I say, good. So we do it even it's even more interesting. But what, what I tell them, though, is I teach them how to watch a video. Because if you watch a video judging you with this imposter syndrome, so you have to help them understand what is it that they have to look for and just get rid of, okay, so the voice you're going to hear is the one that you never hear, first of all. So you're not going to like it. Again, we are always in the dynamic of how can I serve better? How can I give better my audience? And that's why we look at videos to make ourselves better. Cecile, we're already coming to the end of our time today. I think we've covered a lot of different topics. Our podcast is called Message Received, as you know. And if there was one message that you would like our audience to take away from this conversation, what would it be? I would say to your audience that if life knocks you down, bouncing back is not enough. I would like to invite them to go a little further on their resilience journey to bounce forward. But, but, carry on. Don't just stop there because you should be ready to always bounce further and then to keep bouncing. Thank you so much. This was a, a wonderful conversation, Cecile. Thank you so much, Tim and Natalie, for having me. Thank you, Cecile. Bye. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Message Received. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please watch out for the next one in the series, Influencing from the Stage with Sam Allen. 